Hello and welcome to the Court Games LCG Podcast, hosted by me, Trevor Cuba, a.k.a. Kikita Onimaru. And here is my barely with me co-host. Barely with you? I'm completely present and in the moment and completely glorious. I am sure. the haughty magistrate, Tsar Agus. And joining us from today... Uh, from the Meek Pod, uh, Meek Informant Pocket. Well, I'm just screwing up all the names. Meek yeah, Informant you're the podcast. one that can't talk. I mean, that's me <laughs> most days. Now that I'm editing, there are enti- there are hours of audio of me just like getting cut out because I don't know how words work. Anyway, <laughs> Nick, please tell the good listeners about yourself. Howdy, I am Nick. Uh, I go by Nick on the Discord because going by other names got too cumbersome uh and yeah <laughs> <Fair I'm a laughs> crane player and we yeah me conformant is a podcast focused uh primarily around kind of like uh introductory or like basically that step from like casual to kind of competitive is kind of where we uh where we find our zen so uh yeah and that makes you a great host for a little series today. So as I was telling you, and uh, all listeners who have been following us should be aware, we're doing a beginner uh, series because yep. first we just did the basics, and then we get we got to the point where, oh, to really get into the nitty-gritty, we'd have to go by each clan one at a by, time. So yeah, here we yeah. are, going each clan one at a time. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I think it's uh, last week we did the crane, so we're going in alphabetical order. So today we got Dirty Mudbirds. Uh, yep, well, last time we did it as a crab, but sure. <laughs> We're doing immaculate <laughs> mud birds. Thank you. Yeah, but Amazing. no, immaculate mud birds would actually have to be a little further past. It have to be before Phoenix. Dirty mud birds can stay where right it's where it's at before Dragon. That's actually a, a, a crane proverb of mud is the proper attire for the battlefield. So yeah, you can call us dirty. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, all good. the Daidoji hiding in their uh, uh, their pits at the Battle of. God, now I'm forgetting the name of the battle. They're pits in all of their battles. Battle of Sunken Graves or something like that? Anyway, it was one where basically all the Daidoji just dug a bunch of holes in a field, and when the Lion Army marched over them, stood up and stabbed them to death with spears. It was neat. Sounds some, something the Daidoji would do. I've yeah. seen them do things like that a couple times. I remember there was one yeah. battle where they're up against the, the Mantis, and the Mantis are like, we're all the creator, and they just started popping all the trees and all the bushes all around them. Like, oh no. <laughs> things yeah. come poorly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's even better because it was killing Mantis. <laughs> uh, no love for the Mantis clan there, Crane Boy? Uh, uh, the uh, <laughs> the group of pirates known as the Mantis aren't, aren't really a clan i mean they, what's their family name uh they don't have one yet uh-huh, uh-huh. well they Will did they actually they did, did. and they remember did. you're right you're right remember they what did. they did to lose it anyway we could go on <laughs> the uh the pen is mightier the pen is mightier <laughs> we have taken over the rpg of court games podcast and now we're talking about lore <laughs> yep. Look, let's let's yep. be honest let's be honest here okay let's everyone be honest one of the big things that we love about L5R is just how bad, insane the stories are. It's better when the fans can vote on it. Uh, It was better when the fans can vote vote on it, but now, but remember, but uh, remember, right now, because of a, uh, because of uh, the Shogun's choice at Winter Court, we got a buddy cop adventure with Totori and Ishikawa. Do, Do you remember that time where, like, Crane was just winning all the tournaments, so we just started piling 
uh, titles on Asahina Sakawa. <laughs> and like his card didn't have room for rules text because he had so many different traits. That was that was a thing. I just the old story had its issues. I came into the game mid Celestial, which is when uh, the Crane were losing hard. So I actually don't have a whole lot of memories of this glorious time when Crane were just like winning all the time. I I remember coming to the game I was like, oh man, my clan just keeps losing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Sakawa was interesting because he was the rare case where as he got experienced versions, he got less text in his action. It just got simpler and simpler because he was just Hmm. by the end, he was Keeper of Five, Earth, Air, Fire, Water, Void, Experience Three, Shugenja, Jade Champion, uh, Enlightened, uh, a couple of other things. He he Oh, God, this was a Lotus, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god, I remember Before that. he went off to raise Shinsei's kid, kind of? It was weird. Basically, they had to get rid of him <laughs> because they couldn't figure out why he wasn't solving all the problems. <laughs> Just like he the Kasada. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, there's, there was issues with the store, with the, uh, AG gave the players a bit too many choices. I still disagree that, like, giving players choices hard stop was an issue, but, Oh, I agree, know, yeah, yeah. They, they, they definitely needed to rein that stuff in a little bit more than they did. But that's neither here nor there. What is here? Um, Crane Clan in FFG's LCG uh, game line. So, Nick, you're... Uh, actually, I was going to say that you're a decent player. Like, you're actually really good. I remember yeah. uh, out of nowhere, I was like, what is this uh, Meek Informant podcast? Like, oh, who's this this air quotes Nick guy? What is he for? And then I saw some of your games. Like, oh, wow, he's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I I am consistently inconsistent, I think, is probably the uh the best description. You know, uh I went uh what, five and two in Atlanta and then two and four at Worlds. So uh, you know, it, it all kinda uh balances out to where I'm pretty even across the board. <laughs> oh. I, I know exactly uh what you're talking about where I Honestly, went I think like we all do. <laughs> I've got some big numbers in some events, and then some. Like every time I go to Toronto, I just have like a straight losing record. Like Canada's full of killers. <laughs> Don't yeah. go to the Great White it's, North. It's I, I, you. Yeah, the Canadians Actually, are pretty good. Let's <laughs> not let's uh, you know, there's like, there's a couple big name big players up in Canada, so they yeah, always one of, yeah, all, one of my uh, several world's losses was to uh, Pugin. Oh, I died I'm because so even though I knew he had Stay Your Hand in his deck and had already played it against me, I was like, eh, I'll block with this bad Toshimoko. It'll be fine. Let's <laughs> 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 just move him into this conflict. And then I died to Stay Your Hand. And that was embarrassing. Yeah, I love those obvious plays where it's like, oh, I why did I not see that? Yeah. <laughs> and it just yeah. haunts you forever. He was weirdly chill for all that, like, setup where I just made sure that Toshimoko won me the game. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Exactly like this isn't going to affect him whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of like one of the things. Like, okay, so tell me, like, let's just go ahead and dive into this. Like, tell me, like, the two or three things that you absolutely have to keep in mind when you're playing Crane. Oh, gosh. Uh, So the biggest things to keep in mind when playing Crane are that it is basically everybody is packing cards that reduce your stats, because a lot of your stats depend on being honored. 
and just about everybody runs three court games. And in okay. fact, you're you're one of the only clans in the game where there's a ring on the table that can reduce your stats. Uh, okay. On on a kind of consistent basis, right? Because your your characters are all kind of priced stat wise to kind of assume that more than half the time they're going to be honored, which is fairly true, but still. Talk so about like, being in a crane bubble, I was very surprised to learn a few months ago that, like, oh, wait, other clans don't like honor? Or, or like, don't like glory on their characters? Like, I love having two or three glory on a character. Why is everyone so against... Oh, yeah, they're not crane. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see, Phoenix, the four glory and that on our champion, it's kind of reason she doesn't see play. Well, you guys have the the glory, but don't have the 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 ridiculous amount of honoring tools that we do. And exactly. there's a ridiculous amount of dishonoring tools that there that's just out there right now, you know. So she doesn't see play. Rip Sakune. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's like one big thing is just like I feel like your board is more. It's not vulnerable in that sense, but like it's more likely to change in the course of a conflict or over the course of a turn than most people where like, you know, uh, they have uh, let go or they don't. Right. But, you know, they can always just go mm -hmm. and win the fire ring and, and reduce your stats. That's that's one of the things that I found is just being aware of that. And um, uh, let's see, what's the other what are the other like big things with Crane? Um, oh. So the other thing, so Crane right now is very much a dual-focused clan, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and as they should be. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Although, you know, I, I could take or leave the dueling mechanics, but thematically, yes. Uh, but the big thing I would say is that on the vast majority of duels, you should probably be bidding one. Okay. Mm -hmm. You generally shouldn't initiate the duel unless you're ahead on stats, or there's some other reason. So a lot of times I'll use uh, Kikita Dojo when I don't have a duelist. I'm just honoring the character with Kyuden Kikita. So there I'm obviously going to bid one. But in most cases, I'm ahead on stats, and giving up the honor to my opponent to guarantee a win isn't generally worthwhile, depending on the duel. Like, if it's a policy debate, I do not want to give my opponent the opportunity to win that duel. So maybe I'll bid to tie, right? But oh, yeah. uh, I definitely don't want to be bidding five on every duel because then you just can't duel for very long. You run out of honor pretty quick. Yeah, Tyler told me in an interview a couple of years ago that he was going to design crane duels so we can duel and not have to worry about the consequences. And I've never seen I, someone like I knock that. a design philosophy out of the park. Yeah, yeah, it's been really interesting. Like the uh, the new duelists, like a uh, dazzling duelist and a uh, cunning negotiator, just have a couple duels that like, you just don't. Mm -hmm. It's just action honor, bow your stronghold, honor a character. You know, Pretty and much. also set the dials to one. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's, that's like one thing we don't really think about because dials, you know, like, okay, so dials are there. They just kind of sit there for most of the games, right? But then you got to remember cards think uh, there are cards like, uh, I, you know, why, can't, why am I drawing a blank? The, it's in from Corset. It's the Scorpion one. Yeah, I can swim. There you go. Thank you. I can swim. Uh, so that card requires 
your opponent whoever's playing the card to have high to have a higher bid dial. So that's actually duels are actually an opportunity to I guess quote unquote turn that card on. Although I don't know anyone who's go going to go out of their way to turn on I can swim. Well, I'll tell you what, it's a crate. You become very aware of the bid dial in relation to other cards in the game and also how it affects the greater metagame. Like, I, one of the reasons why you don't see more I Can Swim is because it's normally dead versus crane mm-hmm. because they're going to manipulate their dials in a way that you can't play it. Uh, same thing with uh, the lion card. Uh, what Regal is that? Bearing? Regal bearing. Regal yep. bearing. Um, if the uh, if a duelist starts a duel before you trigger that card, it's basically dead. So that's one of the reasons why you don't see a lot of widespread pr- uh, play in that of that card. Yeah, right. yeah. So a lot of the bid dial stuff gets mm. interesting. Like I definitely I have a lot of scorpion in my local meta, so it's pretty common for me to like bid two into a duel that I'm already winning by five anyway, just because okay. if they bid two, I don't want to get caught with. Uh, you know, I can swim available to them and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's definitely something you get used to, uh, but it takes a while. Matt, you have a local meta full of scorpions. How do you maintain the will to keep playing this <laughs> game as a crane? <laughs> that is not uh, an envious position. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's a good question. I actually, I went down this, like, uh, hate spiral on scorpion relatively recently. <laughs> And I just decided that uh, if I wasn't going to enjoy the game, then nobody was. So I started playing a bunch of dumb combo decks. Oh, no. Like, uh, I was playing um, Mado Crab, and recently I've been having a lot of fun with Scouted Terrain Unicorn. Uh, And uh, these are decks that do not care about anything that happens in the game, but eventually put your hand on the table and your opponent dies. So, (laughs) you know. I do, I do like how your local meta can like influence how you build decks and perceive the game. Like something I've mentioned very many times on here. I, uh, my local meta has, uh, Max Williams, who is a very good crab player here. And there's also in my store a lot of just in general crab players. I don't know why they're so popular. So whenever people look at my deck, like, why do you have all these extra cards? Like, listen, I know those cards look weird, but go against the crab and it'll keep you going. Yeah, I, I have yeah. unironically put prayers to Ebisu in my deck. Oh, Dishonor Crab, huh? No, no, no. Well, Scorpion, and then uh, for a while, uh, I was considering it for tech against the Honor Lion, but uh, I've, I've moved on. I'm just oh. running Aijutsu Master now. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like, so one of the big things about the, um, that I guess I have, I, I personally have a hard time playing against Crane. Maybe it's uh, psychosomatic because one of the guys that in my uh, in my Orlando meta was just a really really good crane player, and I just I, I don't think I've ever beat him unless I got a really super lucky Tadaka lock like early on, and this was like before Tadaka went on the RL. Um, band but... list, band list. Let's remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, well deserved. Well deserved. Well, no, he was on the RL first, then he was banned. So Fair. yeah, okay. So we'll talk. Fair. Band list Tanaka first. Um, anyway, so it's just like I, I and the one thing that I always have um, I always run into when I'm playing Crane is that I sometimes do overvalue duels. Like I'm not exactly hundred percent sure where is like do I really need to defend this policy debate or can I just go ahead and let him look at my hand for free? You know, 
Uh, so that's kind of like one thing that I've always had issues with uh, playing against Crane. Maybe, uh, you know, just for new listeners out there, what are things that uh, you would recommend for new players to look at when they're playing against Crane? Yeah, uh, so always be aware that um, Crane have, like, normally the way that Crane wins conflicts, or has in the past anyway, is that it bows your characters rather than going over them. So okay. instead of like, you know, playing a bunch of stat buffs, I get my one guy bigger than yours and I duel you and then you bow. Or I'm playing like admit defeat or uh, even like story defeat, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Crane care more about just a one-to-one matchup than they do about the total skill in the conflict as a result. Because I'm all about getting my duels off. And if I can get bigger than your biggest guy, then I can duel anybody on your board. Okay. Um, so a lot of playing against Crane comes down to timing. In general, if you've got things that you know will uh, you know, draw you cards or something like that, you want to do those last in a conflict against Crane. Because the first thing you want to do is get your stats as big as you can because you want to put yourself outside the range where I can easily duel you without having to invest anything additional myself. So like the action tempo in a conflict is generally going to be about setting up for that moment where I'm going to duel you. Uh, you know, it's coming and you're either going to stop it or you're not, but you know, you have to, to take those steps first before you go for like the value plays of, you know, uh, let's play regal bearing. Let's draw some cards. That kind of thing. Okay. All right. I've also I've also noticed that um, a lot of people, as Nick was just saying, will use the fire ring or something to try to get rid of our honor tokens. Which at a certain point is like a losing endeavor because we have so many ways of honoring our own characters. Yeah. That if I want some characters honored, they're gonna get honored. Right. I have a much harder ish time getting other people dishonored. Yes. So if you spend your fire ring or your uh, court games to keep a couple of your characters honored who are going to be on the board for a while, that actually goes a long way to shutting down Voice of Honor. And once Voice of Honor is down, now I'm kind of exposed to all kinds of things that you want to do to me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, voice control is like the other big thing with Crane. And you're right. The, the best thing that you can do for voice control is uh, honor your own guys who've got a couple fate on them. Because, yeah, aside from certain decks, you know, I've, I've been playing a fair bit with, like, the Keeper of Air deck. Uh, and with Mark of Shame, you don't have too many trouble, uh, too many uh, troubles dishonoring people. But, okay. uh, you know, aside from, like, some niche decks like that, most Crane decks aren't running a ton of Dishonor tech. And I'd probably rather, like, play my court games to honor my guy instead of dishonor one of your guys of your choice. That kind of thing. So... Now, speaking of decks, this is something that me and you actually talk about in the super secret crane room all the time and stuff. What are some of like the main crane decks right now? Which is kind of an active discussion that the we're having because crane is kind of low tier, but we're low tier in that way of like don't turn your back on us because we can still fight very hard. We're not so down on the bottom that we're like yeah, I don't can't ignore us. I don't think Crane is completely shut out of the, of the of the meta. I think Crane can. I think a good Crane player with a good, good Crane deck can win a Kote or whatever. But I yeah. do see Crane struggling. Yeah, Crane I think has the... always occupied a, a a weird 
position in the meta if you go to a tournament where it's very hard for us to crack into the top cut. Um, but if you look at like just like anything below the top eight, it's all blue numbers because like listen, you need to get past the big blue wall if you mm-hmm. want to get into the top of the tournament and stuff because that's where most of the create players tend to be. Uh, it has a lot to do with Craner so multifaceted. Uh, we're a bit of a jack of all trades, master of none. That we always come at you in a way you're not expecting. So it's, yeah. got, it's almost of a, a, a skill check to go up against a crane player. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. here's the thing. Um, sometimes when I'm play, when I when I go on Jagoku and I load up, you know, pull up a deck or what, and you know, get ready to play a game, I go up against a crane player and I have no clue what they're going to play. Are they playing a dueling crane? I mean, obviously, everything uh, everything crane does is dueling, right? Uh, Kyoto Q and Kikita. If I see Q and Kikita, great. But then I sometimes I see Shizuka Toshi, and I'm like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, you well, you'd be really screwed. I've been uh, playtesting Sevenfold Palace ever since that got revealed, and like, yeah, my deck doesn't have any duels in it. Yeah, I so that's like out against that... Scorpion. It's Ugh. pretty great. That's uh, a scary proposition, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> so, I haven't played with that at all. So, Sevenfold Palace is is on the way up. Is that coupled with uh, Suma Village? It, yeah, so I'm, I'm running it with Suma uh, just because I need the honor tokens so badly, um, and I'm honestly not sure how well it's going to do. I I think a fair bit of my success with it so far might be just that people haven't adjusted to it yet um and that once they do uh the success might come down or i might have to adjust more like the the version of the deck that i'm running has no attachment control in it uh i'm running phoenix splash to generate more airings with seeker of knowledge and things like that so you know it definitely has exploitable weaknesses um and in fact like a card like Lost Papers is a big issue for it because I tend to just buy one big guy and try to win that win a conflict so oh, I can wow. activate the box. But if you just bow out that big guy, things go poorly for me. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. But yeah, no, it's I, I think there's definitely more there than a lot of people are giving it credit for. It just requires mm-hmm. you to so fundamentally redesign how you're looking at Crane. Like, my first build of this deck was all, like, dual-focused. I had, like, Aijutsu Masters and Distinguished Dojos and all the duelists and all the duels I could get in there, thinking, all right, I'm going to siphon honor, I'm going to gain it from duels that you don't want to lose, I'm going to do this and that and the other thing. And it turns out that I was way more successful just swinging at you with giant blue numbers and saying, Mm -hmm. stop me. You know, playing it more as, like, a switch deck than a dedicated honor runner. Yeah. Which is something that Tyler has been online saying that he wanted. He didn't want Crane to be kind of the traditional Crane deck from the old game of, I'm going to sit here and get a bunch of honor, and then two turns I'm going to win. I'm going to shake your hand and walk away. It's yeah. He wants us to win for our honor. And boy, is he making us work for it. God, I miss that. Just those days <laughs> where you just occasionally look across the table and go, oh, wait, you're attacking me? No, no, no. Go home. Go home. Block supply lines, refugees, etc. Go away. And then go back to uh, counting to 40. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What, what other crane decks we have got going on right now? We've got uh, Zars Kill Deck. 
Uh, yeah, which, yeah. Uh, pop- Zarzuk, that uh, the the keeper of air crane with like three noble sacks, three duel to the death, and Markashame, so you can just dishonor people yeah. and kill them. That's the guy who looked at the new Yoshi and was like, "Oh, I see the way." Yep. <laughs> I see how to use this card. Yoshi's really good in that deck. I mean, just uh, spitting out a billion dishonor tokens at people is is not a bad thing to do. I was playing against Zar. Uh, uh, Zar. Uh, uh, darn it. Okay. Weird names. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Say what? I was playing against Czar, Czar Zucket, the guy who engineered this deck. And there's another Czar. It's, it, His it's is not Czar. Yeah. It's yeah, Czar. Wow. Love you, Czar. Love you, Czar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he was uh, whipping out, and he think he 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 double sacrificed me, and I was like, "Oh man, that sucks," but I can recover from this. I'm still pretty ahead of the game. And then he double sacrificed me again. I was like, "Oh wow, he's got two of them. This is crazy." If I could still come, and then he hit me with a third one, and then a duel to the death. I was like, "What the right? heck is this deck? What the hell <laughs> yeah. are you doing to me? I was winning until you killed all my dudes." Yeah. Yeah, that's basically it. So it's it's yeah. it's an interesting deck because it relies a lot on like timing and kind of like tempo pushes. Uh, I was actually talking to him a little bit mm-hmm. about it today, where like when you're just looking at it, you would think it's like a hard control deck where you know I'm just going to kill your guys and and clean your board up and then use that to get in like chip damage. But really, what it is is you're trying to set up that board state where I can like. You know, use my bowed but honored brash samurai with zero fate to kill your guy. So mm. I'm like setting up for that moment, and then once I've got your guy off the board, I've got to push as much as I can into uh, your provinces to stay ahead. Because next turn you're just going to buy another guy, and he's going to stand in front of me. So, mm. so yeah, there's that one. Um, the the sort of uh, straightforward crane like the the archetypal crane that you most expect to see is going to be on dragon splash uh most likely yeah. seeker of something often void probably, probably void yeah i've been i've been a fan of air lately but still i think void is still pretty air quotes standard yeah yeah um so and it's running um policy debate as a restricted list card because it's a duel and also it's an absurdly good duel um mm. using cute and kakita and basically, it's kind of a mid-rangey deck. So you're not super towering people. You know, you're not putting 30 attachments on one guy like Lion or uh, Dragon do. Um, but you are using the fact that your bodies are naturally bigger because of the uh, glory stat boost um, to leverage wins. And then you're using uh, duels to generate kind of incremental advantage. Make them spend resources take key cards out of their hand with policy debate, uh, things like that. Um, so that's kind of like the the straightforwardest crane. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple of wacky ones out there. Uh, there's like a Take Up Command Crane, which I like a lot. Uh, and that's the one Eric's running right now, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And it's, uh, it's actually a pretty good deck. And there's a similar variant of it um, that uses uh, Keeper of Water for Niten Pupil. Basically, the idea of both of them is that Elegant Tessin is a good card. So what if you just based your entire deck around Elegant Tessin? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, little guys, you're going to stand them a lot. Um, The 
take up command deck uses uh, obviously Lion Splash, but with uh, a new name, you can make your courtiers into Bushi, which means they're valid targets for take up command. So you can take up command your Doji Whisperers into conflicts and uh, into like uh, political conflicts, which doesn't really make sense with the flavor of the card, but it's okay. It works. <laughs> <laughs> Look, sometimes when you are, you know, sometimes when you're going up against a bunch of mean girls, you got to take, you got to have one mean girl. That's the point. And that's probably Doji Whisper. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. if, if you're teching against Doji Whisper, you're having some trouble. She's like <laughs> our weakest character. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Ishigen can soloist is like just. I mean, just that. come on. I, we could we could name all sorts of cool like crane cards that don't see play. Well, I, I like to think Ishigen can soloist is more annoying than weak. Is <laughs> I, I was talking about weak, like like the weakest card in the uh, in the decks that actually get played because there there is a whole lot of like one and two drops or just like what happened. We crane used to have like the best two drops, and suddenly it's just like let's just keep making like these two for one twos that like have attacks on them for some reason i don't know oh why my god no you you guys still theme. okay crane still has the best two drop like I, in, in the entire game i i think i think brash, uh, brash, brash, brash is the best for it yeah uh, brash is a very good I, card like i don't I if don't brash was in phoenix it would be so effing broken <laughs> right <laughs> phoenix have the plus two glory stronghold well, so that's like it's not even that you know. It's not even that purity of spirit. It's like you know, yeah, yeah. But there's, like, there's a reason they don't give uh, Phoenix the crane tools. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, Brash is extremely good. Dazzling's really good. Yeah, I think we we yeah we have a pretty strong suite of like lower cost characters that are just like super mm. stat efficient. Mm -hmm. You know, that's all Doji Whisperer is is a one cost for three stat, which you have a hard time finding anywhere else. Oh yeah, I rarely flush her because she, she's just like, oh, I'll, I'll give her one or two fate. Oh hell yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah. Why not? What's so as a crane? What are we? Are we looking at their kind of standard decks, even though that yeah, no matter how different they are, they have kind of the same curve of bodies. What's our mulligan looking like? What are we trying to get dynasty wise? What's our opening hand trying to be? So it really depends on what you're up against. Um, so it's kind of like there's a scorpion mulligan and there's an everybody else mulligan. Um, versus Scorpion, you generally either want to find a big guy the first turn that you can put a bunch of fate on, or you want to, if you like, you know, say you flop into like a bunch of one and two drops, you want to set your uh, board up in a way that you can eat the inevitable assassination and not die. Uh, you know, so either that means uh, trying to mull hard for Voice of Honor and a way to turn it on. Uh, or just like trying to buy out two or three bodies instead of just one so that when one of them dies, you can uh, yeah, be okay with that, still have a presence in conflicts and, and start advancing the game plan from there. Um, and against everybody else, you really just kind of want a three plus cost character that you're going to put three fade on. And then the next turn, you want a three plus cost character that you're going to put like two fade on. And then one, and then hopefully they're dead by the time your board explodes. So oh, there you go. <laughs> mm. 
one of the, one of the problems I keep having to this day, you figured I'd figure this out by now, where I will buy, I get my three cost character and put like two fate on them, and then I'm buying like a one or two cost character, and I find I have like no money left, and then I look at my hand like, oh man, all my cards cost like one fate. I don't have one fate. So yeah. infuriating. Yeah, carrying over fate in Dynasty is huge, and like this is one of the things that crane is actually pretty good at is you buy one guy and then you pass so you get a lot of passing fate you're not like unicorn that needs to flood the board or like even a clan like scorpion is more likely to buy a couple of people you know maybe they'll buy their alibi artist and their vice proprietor and all that uh but if you can just pass first you can get a pretty decent economic advantage and that kind of goes back to you know what i was saying before where it's all the little incremental stuff Mm -hmm. that you do along the way to build that type of advantage and then knowing when to exploit it. So, okay. uh, what about a uh, dynasty or conflict hand? What are we trying to get for our conflict hands? Voice of honor uh, is <laughs> is never a bad thing to see. And then if you don't see, so it's nice that you do the conflict hand after the uh, dynasty. Obviously, if you don't see a clear path to getting a character honored, then you want to see like a way of the crane or something like that. Um, in general, like a lot of your your duels do honor your guys, but in most cases, it's going to be too hard without the extra stats from the honor token to like effectively use the duel right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can't always rely, especially on the first turn, on uh, your stronghold to honor someone. So oftentimes you end up doing that from hand, court games or whatever. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I'd say Voice of Honor and a way to turn on Voice of Honor are probably the biggest things. Uh, aside from that, I just like zero-cost cards. Zero-cost things are really good in this game, it turns out. <laughs> Especially in the first turn. Yeah. <laughs> first yeah. couple of turns, I mean, yeah. You, you drop a... Uh, Drop a fine katana on your uh, Brash Samurai, and he is the equal of Toturi. That's six military, son. <laughs> exactly. He's a six three all of a sudden. But yeah. Okay. Uh let's go through the the clans one at a time about our general strategies and what we're scared about, what we're looking for. Uh Crabos. What are we doing versus the crab? This is I feel like this is where I should be talking, but you're my guest. So please <laughs> it, have at it. <laughs> yeah, I so I gotta be honest, I don't play a lot of crab against a lot of crab so i don't i don't really know i i mostly just play the same game plan as always but then expect that like so i tend to hang on to my cards a lot because i expect that at some point there's going to be like a watch commander or something and i'm going to need to drop my bid really quickly after that comes out um but you know for the most part i just kind of i don't know it's it's just like a general kind of generic game plan against crab you know eliminate their big characters if you can with you know let go the reprieve or the watch commander that kind of thing but uh yeah so you're you're probably a better source than i am on uh the crab matchup. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one thing i'd never seem to shut up about is yeah. me versus max but uh let's see crab is different because the biggest thing you have to always keep in mind is way of the crab because oh, we do yeah. have that one three cost, and then we have like, these little guys, and the little guys always go away. 
So, and the classic move is if they don't, like, assassinate you on the first turn and then follow up with a way of the crab, then they're going to just wait for your little weenie to die and then um, way, of the, way of the crab you yeah. on the, whatever that last phase. You're the rules guy, sorry. What's that last phase of the game called now? Fate phase. There we go, that phase. The the way of the crab phase. <laughs> yes, <laughs> basically. At the end of the accurate. round. Accurate. I mean, accurate. <laughs> it's, it's the only meaningful card that ever gets played in that phase. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's things the big thing that, like, f- first and foremost, you have to keep your head about that one, uh, or else your deck is just going to fall apart instantly. Um, then it's kind of a slow roll because they're just a hard resource uh, or endurance clan. So the longer the game goes, the stronger they are getting. So you want to try to, like, lock them up early. Um, that being said, you will reach a point where if you have not crushed them uh, militarily at a certain point, they will just become too big for you to deal with they'll get like their casada with four fates or they'll get their yakimo with a bunch of jade uh tetsubos or something like that and they'll just get a point that where they're like unbeatable after like turn four or something like that however crabs cannot gain honor to save their lives that's a really all. good point yep. yeah it's very successful just to like throw kikita asami at them every turn <laughs> works surprisingly well Nick, you know, from being, me being in the in the crane chat and stuff, I always, like, I will never not build a deck with at least one Asami. Mm-hmm. And I was on the uh, Aijutsu Master train a while ago because I was like, oh, you just put some slight honor pressure on them. And suddenly they'd be getting put in some really bad situations, especially since one of their favorite cards is, um, what is that, uh, the, the laboratory. Whose lab is that? Kuni Labs. Kuni Yori's Lab. There you go. Um, I love seeing Kuni uh, Labs on the table, and my opponents always keep them out for, like, a turn or two too long, and they realize, like, oh, I should have fleshed that a while ago. Like, yeah, you probably should have. Yep. yep. Um, yep. And it's they actually extremely easy to put on a pressure on them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good point, and not one that I, yeah, I probably need to do that more. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of the few, like, I'm always talking about, like, uh, oh, I'm not that great at the game and stuff, but every time I'm uh, on the chat with uh, you guys or I'm looking at Eric's game, it's like, oh, you guys are doing this crap matchup all wrong. <laughs> you got to yeah. play that honor game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you're right. It's definitely just something you just poke them and they fall over. You could knock out, like, two or three provinces on them really fast, uh, even in their newer version, which is more Crabbo, kind of like Crabbo, then roll into, like, huge tower kind of mix-up. Yeah. Uh, there there reaches a point where you can't break through there anymore and stuff. Uh, but I always see people like, oh, if I could just get this tower big enough and stuff, like, no, nope, you're just going to get crabbed. Or no matter how big you get, like, Quesada starts at 7. Yakumo, oh, I believe, God, is at tell me 6. About it. Uh, Yakimo's four, I believe. I think he's a four-two. Oh, he's four. He feels like he's always six. <laughs> <laughs> you're just you're just too used to seeing him with a sword. But he's all. But big, the bigger thing about Yakimo is he does not lose duels. Now, when yeah. you duel Yakimo, you can still win a duel and get all the effects of like if you're the winner, get this. But he will not accept the conditions of the loot. Well, technically, only works if. Uh, he's lower honor than you and stuff, but th- like, this is crab. That's going to be the case. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, if you're doing it right, they should be. <laughs> I have seen uh, crab players take Yakumo, and if they not, don't just take one of my duels, they'll start a duel of their own and intentionally bid five just to tank their honor, just to turn on Yakumo. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's like, yeah, like, like scorpion level play, where you're just like, oh, I need to get rid of all this honor. Oh, it's gross. 
Oh my god. Just the other day, I was playing with Jagoku, and I literally needed to lose one honor to win the game. So, yeah, but it was it was yep. a little frustrating. Like, not ha- yep. not being able to lose that one honor, I, I mean, that was just it. I lost the game. Yeah, just Scorpion things. But, uh, yeah, it's... To, um... The biggest thing, just to reemphasize, uh, is watch out for the way of the crab, which is yeah, all about sure. your your little weenie characters. And it's tough because let's say I buy a one drop and then I buy my three drop with some money on them. So now I've got a I'm actually putting more effort in protecting the little weenies than I am the main drop because the, that little t- guy is my protection versus uh, the way of the crab. So yep. I find myself like, oh, I've got to get this brash samurai. I'm going to put an extra fade on him because I want him to last longer. Which, if he gets assassinated, it feels really bad. So now I've got to pocket an assassination to keep that guy alive so I can keep the other guy alive. Yep. Um, it's tricky. And then also, like, if you are, if your little guy runs out uh, near the end of the turn, maybe you should, like, play a small character from your hand uh, If you, once you enter the fate phase or right before the fate phase. Uh, yep. Just because you always have like a little, it's it's like a like a your main character is a planet. You need some little moons hovering around him <laughs> to soak up damage. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but, for sure. But but that's my crabo rant. Something I'm much worse about because there feels it feels like there's very few cranes around until you go to a kotai, and next thing you know, there's like, like twenty cranes. Yeah, you're that event. You can't and get it, away. Yeah. The only freaking decorations in the whole Kota is, um, you know, from uh, from Eric Leong. <laughs> yeah, well, those are awesome, though, so. But how do we do the, the crane mirror? Uh, the crane mirror is generally about voice of honor control. And then the other part that people don't pay as much attention to is voice of honor usage. There are a lot of times where you could play the voice, but you shouldn't even though you're going to lose this conflict or even, you know, one of the most common things that I'll see like newer players do is like play a voice of honor to stop their opponent's court games that would shut off their voice of honor. Unless you're sitting on another one, there's like no reason to do that. Right. You could just hold the voice of honor uh, and uh, you know, turn it on again next turn. uh, And then you've got that resource. So it's, partially just yeah about making sure that your opponent's voice of honors stay off for as much of the game so you can do as much as you want uh but it's also in part about uh knowing when to use those resources knowing you know when not to do anything when to lose when to bid one and just accept a a loss on a duel uh that kind of thing um but yeah i mean the the crane mirror is very weird because it's so focused on uh those honored status tokens and like you said you don't have a lot of ways to get the honored status off of the opponent's board so Mm. you you've got these incentives that kind of fight each other where you want to put out as many characters as you can and get them honored but you also want to invest heavily in the characters that you're honoring because you only have so many honor tokens in a game and so you don't want to be like spending away of the crane on a doji whisperer just to turn on voice of honor, that kind of thing. I have noticed in the crane mirror, and this is something to do with crane in general, where crane is surprisingly a lockout clan. Like once we've yep. got all of our piece of exodia on the board, we can just kind of run through and do whatever we want in a matchup and nothing our opponent can really do to stop us, which is, you know, fun for us, terrible for everyone else. Um, interesting, but we can gas ourselves. So I would notice yeah. in a crane mirror matchup, like 
if the player who, after the, like literally the very first turn, whoever has the lead right there, if they can't lock out the game by turn three, then they gas themselves and then they've run out of all the resources. And now it's the other per- per- person's turn to run wild on the game. Right. So I would yeah, say if like so... if you are fighting yourself on the on the back foot on the first couple of turns, focus on surviving and wait for your opponent to like <laughs> uh, gas themselves out, and then you can like hit them on the crackback. Yep. Yeah, it's really uh, Craner still like they're like kind of a mid rangey deck, but we kind of live and die based on tempo. Uh, it's all about like getting mm. enough resources together and then picking that moment where you're gonna go. All right, I'm pushing my chips in. Let's you know uh, push in for the kill here. Or, so in know, other yeah. words, you got to look for the right opportunity to strike. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You got to focus, know. and then you got to focus, and then you got to focus, and then you strike. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which is, you know, that's I like that theme. Not as much as I like staring at my uh, cards and counting to 40, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it's coming. It's, it's getting there. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so I guess uh, moving on then to the next clan, Dragon. How do you deal against Dragon? Really weird because they just recently they just went from like bottom tier to top tier again when no one was looking. Honestly, so. I don't think they're top tier yet. Uh, but I do think that they are. But the, with the release of um, Voidfest, they're getting back up there. I don't know. So it's funny. Uh, my big thing to where I differ with a lot of Crane players was that I played for a much more tempo-based game for a long time. Um, so I was on like 3X Gossip, which is an oh. amazing card against Ooh. the old test dragon decks, because you just name Void Fist mm-hmm. for three turns in a row and they die. Uh. <laughs> they, they just can't do anything against that. Um, but with the newer ones, they are playing a wider variety of events, um, so that they can, you know, always kind of have their uh, stronghold active, and mm-hmm. it's much harder to either wait out or even kill their uh, uh, tower because Mitsu's going to be honored. He's going to be immune to events in half of the conflicts, so I can't easily noble sack him. Uh, you know, things like that. Um, so, I guess the the big thing for Dragon is just being aware that they are constantly burning resources. Right. You know, they're going to try to conserve them as much as they can with Mm -hmm. their dragon tattoos, doubling up on policy debates, things like that. Um, But they are going to go through those resources relatively quickly because they need to play a bunch of cards almost every turn to keep their tower around. Oh, yeah. Um, And and to trigger Mitsu. Uh, So like that's kind of the thing is, is, again, you want to hold your fire and make them spend a bunch of cards in a conflict where they might not need to. And then in the next conflict, you can overwhelm them with your uh, advantage that way. Um, it's a lot easier said than done. And their stronghold uh, province, Sacred Sanctuary, makes it yeah. extremely difficult to do. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we have some answers for that. Uh, uh, highlight the flaws I've been playing with a fair bit. And it's extremely powerful if you can get them to uh, swing in with their Mitsu Tower, expecting that, oh, I'll just stand him up with Sacred Sanctuary, and I'll be able to defend. And then you say, nope, nope. De- oh, God, look at all these flaws in your san- Sanctuary. This is very <laughs> sacred at all. <laughs> just cancel the uh, the province effect. But, but that's, I don't know. 
that's I don't I'm not sure if that's worth losing all the benefits of going void uh, or air even. Yeah, my thing with highlight the flaws is if any time I'm in a situation where I'm becoming worried about any province being like a consideration in this game, I'm just gonna put cautious scout back in the deck. So. <laughs> yeah, I so I was thinking the same thing, um, but cautious scout is so restricted, right? That he's yeah. sometimes difficult to use in that particular way, and he's way more. Uh, uh, telegraphed, right? So when sure. when I play the Cautious Scout, it's obvious I'm going to be swinging in as your stronghold with the Cautious Scout first to mm -hmm. keep it uh, deactivated. Whereas if I just pull the highlight uh, of the flaws out of my or highlight the flaws out of my hand, then you don't have as much warning that it's coming, and you kind of have to play as though I have it. So maybe you don't get in that first attack with Mitsu. So you know I can deny you some tempo mm. that way. Kinda, but the alternative is like, oh, I'm playing because uh, that's fire locked, right? Yeah, that's the big downside. So, so, so yeah. Other than like, you're losing all the the, the good things from being have, having a better role. It's just like, oh, my crane opponent is playing fire. Well, he must be playing highlight the flaws because why the heck else would you be playing <laughs> fire? Is yeah. he playing icon of favor? <laughs> Did he crack the icon of favor meta? <laughs> hey, I tried. I tried it. Okay. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm probably too. still going to try it after uh, Sevenfold comes out. <laughs> Do you know you can win a Fire Ring and trigger Icon of Favor and then trigger your Sevenfold Palace? Anyway, the point is... <laughs> <laughs> See, you're in the lab right now. <laughs> oh, I am... I Yeah, I am deep in that particular uh, jank tank, so... <laughs> Uh, the only thing I wanted to add on to Dragon is they're not as bad as Crab, but they also have an extremely hard time gaining honor so this is for a long time my uh, my deck was i have one exasami and i got two aijutsu masters and maybe some other cards that were just a little bit more push the honor just because of these two matchups where it's just like oh you just put some minor honor pressure and kind of like push them over sometimes yeah um, and especially now sometimes a solid or... one a bid one and then asami will just <laughs> knock them out the game yep. yeah especially where they need to draw a bunch of cards every turn now to keep their tower around and to keep Mitsu on, they, you know, you can eventually just gas them out just by low bidding and putting that pressure on. Um, let's move on to Lion, which is interesting because I, like an idiot, I'm still not an idiot. Uh, I was sitting here saying like, "Oh, Lion's terrible," as they're like low key ter like tearing up the boards when I'm not paying attention. Yeah. But still, like, I'm not gonna get out of my tower soapbox again. But it doesn't really matter because they're not really doing tower anymore. They're kind of like this honored deck slash tower hybrid. Uh, yeah. What are we doing against this new lion meta world we're living in? Yeah, a lot of it. Um, I mean, there's basically two lion decks, as I see it anyway. There's the honor deck, which relies a lot on bringing people back. Uh, you know, you're running generally air roll for like four bearers echoes and a whole bunch of like kind of very low condition honor gain cards uh hero of three trees and uh uh chronicler conquests and things like that uh that just kind of gain you honor passively and you don't have to win conflicts so much so one of the big things is number one sniffing out which deck they are if you can figure out that they're an a honor runner deck and bid low the first turn Oftentimes, that'll give you the time you need to win on board because your board should, theoretically, be stronger card for card just because 
you can honor it relatively easily and your stats get better that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not too hard to sniff out that deck either because just look at their opening flop and you'll, right. if you see like mm-hmm. one or two characters that say gain honor in some way, it's like, oh, this is an honor deck, bid one. <laughs> yep, yeah. I mean, Venerable Historian, Hero Three Trees, and the Chronicler Conquest are like the three big ones yeah. that you'll see all the time out of that deck uh, and probably the upcoming Master Tactician. Mm-hmm. I, I bet that will find a home in, well, every Lion deck, but also the Honor deck. <laughs> oh, yeah, that card's a beast. So, moving on to one of my clans. Uh, <laughs> well, that's that's only half the Lion matchup. We're just skipping the Tower one. Oh, wait, yeah, okay, the Tower one. <laughs> yeah, Tower <laughs> Sorry. sucks. Sorry uh, does not care for Lion. I, I really, honestly, here's the thing. The Tower Lion, we know it's, uh, it, it's, it's, all, it's already a pretty hard matchup for a lot of people, for a lot of clans. Uh, well, yeah, hold on, because the... Because the, Voice of Water is basically off for that deck, because half the time you're activating things on attachments, not playing events. The thing is, like, the tower deck that exists now is not the tower deck that existed a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, this is the true. With the banning of uh, Spyglass. It's a very different deck now. It's a very different... You're right, you're right in that it is a different deck, but I think the spirit of the Lion Tower deck, and we're just speaking... I'm just speaking specifically tower here, I mean lion tower here, that I think the the lion tower deck with the loss of spyglass still maintains its card draw with things like tactical ingenuity. Well, it's, I mean, the, spy, the spyglass loss definitely hurts it. Basically, the thing that I found is that it means that they get their non-event pieces less consistently. So you're more likely to be able to like covert them out of a conflict because they're not just going to draw three cards every conflict and see their favored mount guaranteed. Right. Um, so, you know, things like that. Uh, and it makes individual card trades better in a lot of cases because the cards are actually a resource for them. They're not just drawing their entire deck for free with Spyglass. Uh, so, like, letting go an uh, Adorned Barcha often wouldn't feel all that amazing against Lion, uh, even though that's a huge trade-up, because just, you know, they have so many other tools, and they're getting them so quickly from their deck that my one card is worth more to me than their one card is to them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, trying to choke out their resources. I mean, like, this is, uh, you know, kind of the same thing that we've said for a lot of them, is... Um, choke out their resources. Uh, the one thing I will say is that I don't think honor pressure works against Lion uh, at all. They just started no, 13. No. 13 is too many honors to get through. You just can't. Well, 13 may be. Okay, well, let's clarify here. 13 may be a little bit too much for Crane, but definitely not too much sure. for Scorpion. <laughs> well, look, all the Scorpion players in my local meta, they play against lion for breaks they're looking for shoju not to draw cards and make them lose honor but because he's got a seven blue number and lion can't get over that you know yeah this is also true but you know shoju also makes them lose one honor and we have ways of making lose more than one honor oh yeah well i guess we'll we'll, we'll get into this when we get to the scorpion episode i know a lot of scorpion players will say like they cannot get uh an honor win or a dishonor win versus uh lion just because they have their honor starts too high, they have too many honoring tools and too many count like lion and lion's supposed to be the hard counter to scorpion, so that's design working as intended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, that's a conversation for a different day, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that absolutely. But is. so, so yeah, your Asamis and Aijutsu masters and stuff are not 
going to be enough to put pressure on, but mm -hmm. you can kind of gain mm -hmm. resources over time. And the the big thing I'll say is that um, in the Lion matchup, I've found knowing that moment to push is way more important than it is in a lot of others. Um, a lot of times, if you miss your little window before their tower gets totally set up, or you know maybe they haven't seen all their stands yet, if you miss that window of identifying when that is, then you have no chance because that Kitsumotsu with 18 attachments is going to be in every conflict for the rest of the game. Um, but uh, if you can identify when that is based on their hand plays and things, you know, uh, one of the things that a lot of Crane complain about in the Lion matchup is that if you cancel, cancel in service to my Lord, it just goes to their discard pile and they can still play it from there. But nah. I have frequently canceled it from hand because the uh, they didn't have another non-unique body to bow to use it from the discard. And that gives me an opening where they were planning on being able to defend or attack or whatever, stand a guy. Uh, and it gives me an opening where I can push through on a province undefended or I don't have to worry about a swing back, that kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's about picking those moments. Even though it's a strict trade down, I'm losing a card and my opponent effectively isn't. Uh, then it's it's still a good moment to go in like that uh, to, to try to push whatever advantage you can get in those, those types of edge scenarios. Mm. Yeah, all the, the soapboxing I've been doing for the last couple of months about my uh, anti-tower strategies. Now that Spyglass is gone, all the advice I had been giving out seems to be way, way, way more effective now that their biggest tool is gone. Because as you're saying, they, they Spyglass that means they are not seeing all their cards. So they can only go like two rounds worth of putting all their cards uh, in their hand onto one body, and then they're just kind of like desperately trying to draw cards to look for more powerful attachments. Mm -hmm. And right. you did them like something like, let go their Fana Command, you just shut down like a vast majority of their straightens right there. <laughs> right. Or even like I found just getting rid of favored mount can be really useful because then things mm. like political rival. Now all of a sudden that's useful uh, against them. Uh, Asahina Takamori can be extremely powerful if you shut mm -hmm. down their move in, um, you know, th things like that are, are really good against lion, but you have to pick and choose. You, you kind of have to know, exactly what your targets are and mm. and save the resources for that now nick me and you've been talking a little bit about uh ijutsu master and kikita asami which i think we should like stop and like elaborate a little bit on how cool or interesting these cards are because me and you've been talking about it for a while i think we've got eric and Shudarev on this boat now um what's the vet because like, in line, we're not going to dishonor them, but in right. the case of the honor deck, it does a long way of, like, slowing their honor run, so yep. they never actually get into the 20s. Uh, what's so cool about these attachments? Like, they're not... Well, first, let's admit, they're not, air quotes, good cards, <laughs> but they are good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... So, they have their place, definitely, is, is kind of what I would say. So, Aijutsu Master is good because there are times when you think your opponent's going to bid one, but you're not certain. And it lets you hedge your bids a bit more. So you can bid to tie. And if they bid, you know, five, then you can just plus one and uh, still win the duel. So you haven't wasted that effect. 
but you can also have ones where like, all right, I absolutely need to win this. I'm only up by three and I'm just going to mitigate the honor loss if my opponent bids one, uh, that kind of thing. So it, it just gives you that little bit of edge to where you can be a little more aggressive with your duels and at the same time, less aggressive with your bids. So you're going to use duels that you might not otherwise use because the stats are too close and you're not going to bid as high naturally, which gives you more of those types of duels that you can play over the course of a game if your opponent is just uh, bidding one. So that little bit of like honor, like leeching off your opponent really helps there. Um, yeah. Asami, well, let's I'm be honest with ourselves. It, it, it costs one, and that's a yeah. lot for how relatively little it does. <laughs> yeah, it, it costs one, and it has to go on a duelist, right? And if you look at the duelists that yes. we're playing nowadays, it's like Doji Challenger, <clears throat> uh, Cunning Negotiator, and Dazzling Duelist, like a two-drop. You might you might yeah. throw a couple Kaizens in it, there. You know, I mean, your your duelist count isn't like huge right now um so that is a pretty meaningful restriction i think and uh it, it, there's also toshimoko how come we don't play toshimoko why are we <laughs> we're, we're, we're pretty hard on policy debate i'm going to ask you as if i don't know the answer why we why why no toshimoko so okay number one i'm building a deck with toshimoko like tonight after i'm done here so i'm, I'm gonna try him <laughs> Listen, I'm, gonna, I... I'm gonna see if he comes back uh I've got a couple, and let me give you some advice. Uh, Rising Star Kata, do it. I buy it. It's so good. I buy it. So Toshimoko, uh, any Dynasty side uh, RL pick is going to be harder to justify just because you draw fewer Dynasty cards on average over the course of a game. So you're less likely to see it. Um, but Toshimoko's big benefit was basically that at the time, Crane could build not the biggest towers, but reliably a very powerful tower um, and force you to be bigger than Toshimoko in like almost every attack you make. So, you know, we were playing things like formal invitation to get Toshimoko bowed into political conflicts because now you've got to play your bonsai to get over Toshimoko to win this conflict, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, so, you know, where other towers, the people on the other side of the board have just gotten bigger. Toshimoko's gotten a lot worse at doing that. Um, we also had Magistrate Station, which number one, really benefited from a strong defense, especially if they hit it early, and Toshimoko could provide that. Um, and number two, and obviously you you duel with Toshimoko, and then uh, you know you don't have to honor him during the conflict. You can just lose the conflict, duel with him, honor him with the stronghold, and then stand him. You know, it, mm. it was a very powerful uh, kind of combination. But, you know, even that deck, most people were still playing policy debate. And it's, yeah, I mean, we, we don't play Toshimoko as much because policy debate is really, really useful, both in mm -hmm. seeing your opponent's hand so you know when you can push your resources in and they aren't going to have answers, and pulling out the things that you don't have answers to. You know, oh yeah, uh, just just being able to hit like a character from hand, you know, in a way that you can't because you can't afford to play assassinate, but you can pull that uh, Uchi Wayfinder out or something like that uh, of their hand, so they can't in service to my board. You know, mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing is is super useful, uh, and obviously hand knowledge is really really powerful. So yes, it is. All right.
is it time to go to Phoenix now? Yes, sir. Uh, we could talk about your freaking fire chickens. Yeah, the fire chickens. Now, why do they suck against the crane? <laughs> uh, it is not a good match for him this these days. That is not, it is really yeah. not. And um, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you a couple of things that happen every time I play against Crane as a Phoenix, right? Okay. So the first thing I'm doing, if I play, it, first thing I'm doing is like it's just a blue box up in the corner. I didn't see that it says Shizuka Toshi instead of uh, Hyun Kikita. So I'm attacking with just you know uh, a Psalm Scholar, and she gets bowed. That. Or I'm attacking with Wona, and um, all of a sudden, this brash samurai is just all of a sudden bigger than her. <sighs> Listen, the thing you should know about Shizuka Toshi, which is the original Crane stronghold, it doesn't actually do anything. It might as well just have a text on there say it, that says, are you paying attention right now? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> the, the best part, so uh, some of my crazier plays with Shizuka Toshi involved not triggering it when my opponent had clearly forgotten about it, because you basically only get one activation a game, and I needed to save it for a more important conflict down the line. <laughs> so I'd be like, oh, I could win this conflict, but I really don't care about it that much, and I don't want to point to my stronghold at any point during this game. <laughs> so I'm just not going to use it. And uh, when you're when you're doing that with your stronghold, it's, it's probably not that great. I, it, no. When Cute and Kikita first came out, I did a test for a couple of weeks where I actually took notes during my games, casual games, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, of when, while playing Cute and Kikita, I could have triggered Shizuka Toshi in a way that mattered. So I'm not just going to use it to bow out a guy when you're already winning the conflict and it's only taking like one skill out. It's not, not having an impact on the conflict right. making you play a card or something like that. And I think over the course of like three or four weeks, probably 25, 30 games, there were like two situations where that happened. Mm. So, you know, and that's when your opponent isn't playing around it. If your opponent just plays ornate fan in their deck, then Shizuka Toshi is completely blank. So yep. what are you doing? <laughs> this, is, this is kind of one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to Sevenfold Palace, because Shizuka Toshi essentially does nothing if we get down to it uh kikita uh don't palace or whatever it's called Kikita. also kikita kind of also doesn't do anything just because if we really wanted to we have other sources that we can gain honor tokens from so seven Pole palace is kind of the first box that we're going to have that does something it so it does something and yet it doesn't at the same time i i love sevenfold palace i gotta be honest but it's one of those things that does nothing mm until you're at 20 honor and then all of a sudden yeah. it matters mm. but like before that you know you're bowing it you gain some honor your opponent goes okay i break two provinces this turn and you go right right that's a win con <laughs> too huh so yeah i don't know i i find it interesting actually that i think cute kikita requires less build around than sevenfold does because sevenfold really cares about having an honored character but it doesn't provide you anything to get an honored character uh, whereas, like, Kyun Kikita, you just throw in, like, any duels. For a while, I was running it with only, uh, I want to say it was um, Kikita Dojo and Toshimoko were my only duels in the deck. And it was fine. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it, it still pumped yeah. out a couple of plus two, plus two tokens a game. It was great. Uh, whereas, Shizuka Toshi's not going to do that, and 
Sevenfold Palace unless you build in a ton of honor stuff. You know, all my Sevenfold Palace decks so far have started with Seeker of Air and three uh, Soul Beyond Reproach because oh, wow. you have to start there to be able to reliably say, okay, my guy is going to be honored when I win this conflict for my stronghold to do anything. We talked about it earlier. Are you running Suma Village with this thing? I just assumed that was like that was a staple card for that deck. Yeah, yeah. Suma is like absolutely necessary. I'm trying it right now with a row without any eminence just to see how it works. Um, it lets me put Shameful back in, which is nice. Uh, I think if you're running Suma, you also have to run City of the Rich Frog because your eminent is probably going to break the first turn. And that at least gives them some choice where you're going to get value out of one of them the next turn. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, lacking Suma has been difficult. When you can't just buy Hotaru and she just shows up as a 6-9, She's not <laughs> oh, wow. as good. She's still good. But she's oh, not as God. good. That sounds like Katara in a nutshell. Yeah. You know, we're talking about a lot about Crane Strongholds, and we're supposed to be talking about Phoenix. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, yeah. what is there to say? You cancel You cancel uh, their Forebearers Echoes, and then they lose. <laughs> like, that's the, the KOA. I mean, yeah, I'm, you know, so you're not canceling uh, Display? Occasionally. It depends on the ring. Uh, a lot of times the way that you cancel display is just to attack a ring that doesn't matter because you don't care okay. about... In the Phoenix matchup, you really can just push them and they can't push back all that easily, especially on political conflicts, I've found anyway. No. Because you can uh, just out outdo them in terms of uh, honored bodies on board pretty easily yeah. and then their glory doesn't do too much for them. And uh, you just push more numbers than they can reliably and all of their um really big boosts are going to come from events so you know supernatural storm or uh uh you know a well-timed clarity of purpose or against the waves that kind of thing are, are all very big for phoenix and this is the probably the best matchup for gossip because i feel like phoenix is very transparent as to what their game plan is going to be based on yeah. what their dynasty buys were, you just know, like, okay, he bought four one-cost Shugenja. Gossip Supernatural Storm. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> you know? And, and that's that turn down. Uh, so, it's it's just something where, yeah, there's not a ton of thought that needs to go into it, aside from, again, just identifying the right cards to cancel at the right time. Right. And then trying to, to push as fast yeah. as you can. And the thing, and like you said, like uh, Phoenix doesn't have those big blue numbers, which means which makes cards like Policy Debate even more powerful against Phoenix. Yep. Although Policy Debate has, I mean, if they're playing the uh, Nasawa version, it's obviously weaker because a lot of the cards that you could hit with a Policy Debate just go into mm -hmm. the discard pile where they can get reused. Um, so hitting attachments and non-spell events is obviously a bigger deal there, but. I, I don't know. Kudnasawa doesn't seem like it's that uh, common anymore since it got changed. Yeah, I haven't seen a Kudnasawa deck <laughs> in forever. Kudnasawa, I mean, yeah, it's out right now. A lot of Phoenix are running the glory box. Mm. Yep, yep, yeah. Uh, the best thing is letting your opponent, uh, you know, honor their character and pump it up with Cloak of Night and things like that, and then you just drop the Mark of Shame on them. Mm -hmm. and they go, wait, but I'm immune to your. Oh, this isn't an event, huh? And then they yeah. die. 
that's great. Uh, that's, no, no, that's no, kind of no, no, no. We cry first and then we die. <laughs> True. That's kind of the core of like why this is such a one-sided matchup in our favor. Because mm-hmm. as we were talking earlier, uh, these are the two clans that care about their glory stat. But Crane have way more tools to affect those numbers oh, yeah. than the Phoenix do. So yep. it doesn't matter if we're honoring ourselves or dishonoring our opponent. They can't really go too far into it. And yeah. it, it, it's pretty hard for me to stand up against uh, Crane because if I attack, you know, I'm going to just gonna, I'm going to get duel to death. Even yep. something that's normally like a linchpin card, which is Sampuku Saido, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, here, you, have, you need glory to, to break this province. Like, okay. Oh, we got yep. glory. Don't worry about it. We, there's yeah, glory. I'll just, I'll just throw or I'm two attacking, glory two or, at you. Or wait, hold on. This is like my favorite thing that happened to me ever. Um, somebody hit Sampuku Saido with a lone um, cautious scout. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. That hurt a lot. I remember yeah. back in the day, uh, before the restricted list came out, I'm sitting there against the Phoenix, like, am I about to charge my uh, Asahina Artisan into some Pukusaito? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> you are. It works. So yeah, really not much to say against this matchup. Um, Phoenix seems to be on a dishonor kick right now with their box, where they're like not attacking uh, and getting a bunch of cards with their mediators, or whatever they're called. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, choosing, selecting not to have cards versus crane turns out is not a very effective uh, option. It so. really isn't, yeah, but it, right now we don't have so any better strategies, I guess. Um, Phoenix, I find, is in a very weird state in that we're just kind of like mid-tier right now. We're like solidly, Phoenix is solidly mid. It's not mm. bad. It's... it's not good. It's just what it is. Yeah, it's funny. It's I feel like I hear Crane and Phoenix matches. are very similar in that. Like, we're both kind of like tier two decks. You know, we're not like the mm-hmm. deck you're teching to beat. But, you know, we can do some surprising things in the right hands. And it's just funny that, you know, between those two, they end up kind of uh, uh, very disfavored in one direction. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, absolutely. So next clan, Scorpion. Oh, boy. Uh, so this is actually interesting. The numbers say that Crane are relatively favored against Scorpion right now, which is weird. Um, so what numbers are we talking about? The sodium levels in Scorpion <laughs> chat? That's the only numbers I see. No. So if you look at the compiled uh, LLOs and uh, winner um, uh, World Cup games and stuff. Crane are generally up against Scorpion overall, and I'm not sure what to attribute that to because I still have the hardest time playing against them. Okay, it, can it just... I uh, can I can I possibly take a gander because I play a lot of Scorpion too. Like most of the time, yeah. I'm playing on Jagoku. I am playing Scorpion. Shocker, I know. Um, yeah. So my guess on it really is that uh, Scorpion. Is having a hard. It's the same thing with uh, Phoenix. Big uh, Crane actually has bigger bluer numbers, and we're not able to dishonor you hard enough. Like the loss of Mark of Shame, getting Mark of Shame on a restricted list, that was our big counter against uh, Crane. Not yeah. having, not being able to slot that in, um, it it hurts. Fate worse than death, not being able to slot that in against, um, you know, to take out your bigger dueling, your your bigger duelists. 
that also hurts. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, no, uh, I, I totally buy that. I mean, the, the fact that most of the time when I'm playing against a Scorpion, their restricted list card starts the game face up on the table um, gives yeah. me a lot <laughs> of uh, assurance in how I'm going to play around them. You know, I know that if I set up to cancel their assassinate first turn, right, I'm, I'm defending with my Brash Samurai, I, I honor him up, and I've got my Voice of Honor in hand, I know they can't forge Dedict it. And I know they can't, you know, a fate worse than death me or after I cancel the assassinate, you know, they, they can't bait out as much. So that that's pretty helpful to know, you know, uh, just the, the amount of information that is revealed by City of the Open Hand. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know, a huge number of cards in my opponent's deck say dishonor an opponent's character, which for Crane means like make their stats bad you know <laughs> so it's just not something that you can often get over at least i can't and you know maybe that's just an issue with me or maybe it's a testament to the scorpions in my local meta i don't know perhaps and also you know you know you're not your local scorpion meta didn't display a power a water ring uh i don't know who did that um <laughs> <laughs> I didn't bring it up. I didn't bring it up at all. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I don't know who did that, but uh, <laughs> no. Um, uh, one thing that I do have a problem with the with the crane matchup, it's just you guys. It, it, again, it's I get outdueled, and I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, Scorpion generally have low red numbers. We have decent, you know, Scorpion have decent blue numbers, but relatively well, low. Red numbers. Here's the thing, Sar. You don't have low red numbers. You have no red numbers, which is not a negative per se. It's an advantage. What you need to do is focus on your characters that have uh, blanks for military, and then I can't military duel you. Yes, but our best card, our best card, our best two drop, um, Blackmail Artist, has a one as a red number. I do not think Blackmail Artist is your best card. It's Vice Proprietor. Yeah. That card so wrecks current <laughs> uh, okay. planning. It's like I have to play against Way of the Crab every turn, and it's just on the board waiting for me all the time. Ugh, that, that guy is so annoying. Okay, I'll give that. I'll concede that. I will say this. There is one number I can see, one stat in the game that I can understand why Crane would have such a high win rate versus Scorpion. And that number is participation. Yeah. Scorpion is traditionally the most popular clan. And it's also because it's one of the most powerful ones. It, it, it draws a lot of bandwagoners. It's also a very technical clan. Like, you you can't just pick it up and just run with it. You have to know which cards to play at which time to do it. And that can actually get you pretty far. Like we were just uh-huh. saying, it's an easy win versus crap. It's an easy win versus dragon. There's a lot of other clans where... Uh, you'll just like, oh, you know, I'm just, I generally have the concept of how the deck works, or I'm pretty good and stuff. I can just walk way, way through it and stuff. The way Crane comes at you, as we were just talking earlier, where it's kind of, um, Crane are so multifaceted and, uh, the inherent power of gaining honor tokens left and right put us at a level of, you need to know exactly how to hit us, which Scorpion can do. Like a, a proper, oh, yeah. uh, a well-practiced oh, yeah. Scorpion player will literally take us apart left and right without even thinking about it. It's so ridiculous and stuff. However, if you're not sure how the matchup goes, 
a crane can just like accidentally win their way through an unexperienced matchup very easily. Yeah, just the and way I, that cards work. I buy that. I I, I think I buy that. Yeah, uh, just oh. the the uh, the fact that yeah, you gotta choose your targets really uh, carefully. If you spend too much time just taking off my honor tokens to turn off my voice of honor, then you're not getting in those honor dishonor pings from dishonoring my little characters who are going mm-hmm. away every turn, things like that. So, I think most of the tournaments I go to, I've got a really high win rate versus Scorpion. And every time I'm sitting there in a matchup, like my opponent, I don't think they quite understand what they should be doing in this moment, or they're making a lot of very questionable decisions and i just kind of win the matchups without thinking about it too much man man i need to go to some of your tournaments because that is not my experience <laughs> uh so well but we're talking so this is kind of a, a a general thing but forget scorpions who really know or what what they're doing and stuff what are we doing and stuff because that's actually a very very scary matchup for us it, yeah yeah I, so I think the big thing is pushing um, pushing conflicts relatively early and not leaving yourself open to blowout plays. So uh, one of the big things is, like I said, you, you generally don't want to go for your one and two drops because playing Assassination is just pure value for Scorpion. They mm-hmm. want to get it under you in honor, so it lets them dump honor, and it kills a guy. Like, that's pretty... Mm powerful you know um so even if you could set up to defend against the assassination with your voice of honor you'd probably rather save that for something else um so it's better to just never get into that situation to begin with by only playing bigger characters uh in that matchup can't always happen but you know every once in a while uh you know you'll get that kind of draw where you just don't have to buy that two drop that's immediately going to get assassinated I actually, this is probably a bad strategy, but I never save my voice of honors versus Scorpion just because they're so good at like dishonoring my characters or getting their one character honored. Like, I don't yep. know how many windows I'm going to have. So I'll just like voice of honor anything just because like, oh, right. like it's on. <laughs> no, I and and there I agree. But like you can't plan your dynasty phase out going like, all right. He's first player, so I'm going to defend with this Brash Samurai, honor it up, and then I'll have more honor tokens, and then I can cancel the Assassinate when it comes in for that Brash Samurai. Like, that just doesn't, like, work as a game plan against Scorpion, because they're, they're going to find some way to turn on that Assassination eventually, and you're better off just leaving them with a dead card in hand. But yeah, Assassination's, like, the big thing into Scorpion, and uh, the other thing that I'll note is that your your stats aren't actually good when you're not honored. Um, but they're not terrible like they are when you're dishonored. So in general, it's going to be better to remove a dishonor token in any way you can than it is to get an honor token on the board. Um, it's you would think they're kind of the same thing, but you know, having a one-one Doji Challenger versus a three-three Doji Challenger really changes what types of conflicts you can push. Uh, and and how easy it's going to be for you to get from your starting stats to uh, breaking or winning this ring. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Sorry. neutral, much better than dishonored, and going from dishonored to neutral, more important than uh, going yeah. from neutral to honored, which is like the opposite yeah. of every other matchup. 
for us. But the biggest thing I would add here is we talked about a bit in our super beginner episode was uh, pay attention to honor bids and oh, knowing yeah. when is when when is the time to start bidding low. So for, first round generally you can bid five starting almost as soon as the second round almost as soon as someone gets around seven or eight otter and stuff now we need to go down to three and when someone starts getting to five or six now we need to go down to one i i think seven or eight, then, as soon as like, soju I, appears yeah if i if i'm at seven or eight i'm gonna drop to one bids immediately and just stay there for the rest of the game because they just have so much reach now with different ways that they can hit you for multiple honor uh you know, in a single conflict, blackmail artist, and uh, now this new way with words card. You ever lose four or five honor in a single conflict because they like win the air ring with a blackmail artist with three way 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 with words, which I apparently don't have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not great. It's not a good feeling. And this is kind of what we we're just talking to uh, Sar about about being able to duel. Yeah. Um, if, uh, I feel so like condescending to talk about it, but if, you know, if your Scorpion Pota is paying attention, I'll say, uh, they will be able to maneuver themselves away so you can never actually start a duel. You know, either they've got Soju out with their seven, uh, uh, seven to, uh, what, ten that he gets up to? Nine or ten? Eleven. Uh, yeah. Eleven? Oh, balls. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. So he's not getting policy debated, and then most of the other duels are military related, and then he, they've got their uh, their dash militaries all over you. So as we mean, you were t- saying, uh, Nick, uh, oh, what's really cool is, I Jitsu master get a military duel in, and you like start siphoning off honor and stuff. But if you can't duel your opponent, then it doesn't really do a whole lot. Yeah, 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 and you just don't have a lot of opportunities to do that kind of bully dueling thing mm. in Scorpion. You just don't have good targets for it. Nope. Well, yeah, I guess so. But uh, just remember that they, you know, they their red numbers are, if there is red numbers, it's usually pretty low. And they're right. usually dishonored, so you got a pretty easy duel right there. My, my strongest bit of advice actually would be to get your duelists uh, that you want to duel and... Because, you, you know, during any given conflict, you have characters you can attack with and characters you're going to defend with. I would actually hold the defenders back and defend with them. Now, nine times out of ten, it will limit, like, how they're going to attack you. So if I got my Kazen sitting out there with my Ajitsu Master, they're just going to send someone with a dash military to a poke me and stuff, which sucks. But what sucks even more is, oh, I'm going to take Kaizen, I'm going to attack. They're going to defend with nobody, and they're going to to display of power. <laughs> yeah. um, and then take whoever they want to and attack with uh attacking so so that's that's actually another thing where sniffing out the deck matters a lot um there's a there's that display power like hard dishonor scorpion and then there's more of a tempo based and i'm not sure how prevalent this is going to be long term but there is still a tempo based crane splashed one that uses like soul beyond reproach and uh um Noble Sacrifice. It just doesn't have Mark of mm-hmm. Shame, so it has a harder setup against us specifically. But against most other clans, it's pretty easy to stick a Dishonor token on the board for a turn or two mm-hmm. until you have a good setup. Um, so, uh, you know, that's also something to be aware of is that you, you're going to play differently depending on which of those you're going up against. And the role is often the big uh, giveaway there. Uh, Air doesn't offer too much to display a power Phoenix Splash Scorpions, but 
it's obviously huge for soul beyond reproach because it helps you set up that noble sacrifice a lot easier because the honor mm -hmm. token is the part they have trouble with and if we tell you what if we're talking about sniffing out decks uh and where you should especially nowadays you should always be paying attention to what cards your character your opponents are playing um if against scorpion if you start seeing a lot of imperial characters watch out for castigate <laughs> like they assuredly have it yep it's not necessarily a tier one deck but it is prevalent enough and it will catch you if you're not ready for it yeah it's i don't know so just as kind of a meta commentary like we're entering into this weird phase where everybody kind of has more than one deck available to them and mm -hmm. that makes exactly what we're doing here harder to do because you can't just sit down and say all right well you know against phoenix you cancel forebearers echoes because you know they don't play that in the pass heavy dishonor phoenix deck uh you know uh Lion aren't always going to be running the favored mount for you to let go. You know, if the if it's the honor deck that they don't run it at all. Uh, you know, saving your cancels against uh, unicorn isn't great if they're running forged edict to cover their scouted terrain. Right. You know, so it 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 is a skill that we need to all brush up on and stuff. Any card game worth their salt has a situation where you need to kind of figure out what your opponent's deck is up until this point it's been very easy to do because every clan essentially only has one maybe two decks worth considering right. but as we're getting more and more varied decks uh being able to predict what your deck opponent is playing is becoming much more oh, yeah. important now yep. and i think it's like normally we just kind of know like and i i think this is like goes back endemic to um back when the roles were locked it's like we kind of like yes. see the we see the roles it's like oh okay you're playing this deck and this you're playing this deck with this clan right now that the roles are free it's like we kind of look at the roles and it's like huh okay what uh that's seeker of air they're pro what are the roll lock card what are the seeker roll only cards and what are the air roll only cards that i gotta think about that's going to be in the deck right now hmm. yeah and like so when i was preparing for worlds i you know played a lot against scorpion and it's like okay if they, they had two roles at the time keeper of air and keeper of earth mm -hmm. and if it's keeper of air they're gonna have mark shame and if it's keeper of earth they're gonna have earth become sky so you just knew the moment you sat down pretty mm -hmm. much like you know the the majority of cards in your opponent's deck most right. of the time mm -hmm. uh in fact i, I, I mean in my game against Pugit, i kind of had issues with it because i sat down he had keeper of air and I spent a huge part of the game playing around his third Mark of Shame because he spent two of them early. And uh, it turned out he didn't run three Mark of Shames. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I actually got tripped up by my over-reliance on what I thought I knew about my opponent's deck. So. <laughs> okay. These are things where it's like, uh strategies that work in the in in the jungle when you're trying to get into the top cut don't become issues in a top cut because you just read your opponent's deck and know exactly <laughs> right. what they're screwing around with yeah yeah that's yeah, that much. Is, uh, a much easier scenario but uh let's see to take things home unicorns yeah unicorns how do you now? beat your allies yeah, um, listen, they just need to be taught a little bit of culture. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, Unicorn are really reliant on Haymaker, like big push events, cavalry yeah. reserves, or even like a well-timed captive audience can be an absolute, uh, you know, wrecking ball. Um, so cancel those. 
uh, discard yeah. them with your policy debates. Uh, you know, they have like very, very little in the way of uh, political stats. So it's yes. pretty easy to mm. bully with policy debate pretty much anytime you want to. Mm. Um, other than that, you know, uh, the big thing that I found is that if you can stop one big military swing against like an HMT unicorn, they're generally mm. going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Because they spend so many resources per win that they kind of have to keep rolling or they're going to gas out pretty hard. Especially if yeah. you're chipping away at their hand with policy debates and earth rings and things like that. Um, so pick your moment to try to stop them at a moment where you think you can. You know, when they're coverting out your biggest dueling tower with... Uh, uh, Yasumura, that's not the right moment. You need to wait till mm -hmm. he leaves play, or you need to like get an assassination or something like that, uh, to where you say, "All right, here I'm going to make my stand and stop you." Uh, and in the meantime, they don't defend much, so just keep swinging, blue okay. numbers especially. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to ask a question here because okay, uh, unicorns and I guess to an extent lion and uh, crab, I guess uh, they're big cancel right now is uh what's the word um defend, defend your, honor, your honor right yep yeah mm -hmm. uh is that do you even care about defend your honor against unicorn yeah. against anyone who uses it it's really good in crab and lion um mm. unicorn just don't put out as big individual bodies so it's relatively relatively easy for me to have the bigger uh, military body. And okay. at that point they're either paying a bunch of honor, which is kind of a weak point for Unicorn, depending on how many yurts they see. Uh, mm -hmm. They're either paying a bunch of honor to cancel my event, uh, or they are just going to lose. Uh, in which case they've spent a card, and I, who knows, maybe I honored my guy, because Defend Your Honor is a duel. Okay. Um, so I, I care less about it in Unicorn, um, but it's it's a bigger problem in the ones where they're going to tower and their tower is almost always going to be bigger than you. Unicorn are Got more it. swarmy, so they're easier to get around. Mm. Okay, fair point. Yeah, Unicorn's the second most popular clan in my local meta, and those guys hate me. Yeah. Uh, because it is always <laughs> such a bad matchup for Unicorn that, like, I honestly feel bad. Like, I was like, hey, Eric, Nick, do you guys even want to play right now? <laughs> I don't want to... <laughs> I send you home and <laughs> I will say, you know, I I've been playing a fair amount of that scouted terrain deck and it's not that bad against Crane. Right? Mm -hmm. the, the the big yeah. downside to it is that um policy debate killing my scouted terrains kills me. That's obviously mm. not great for me. Um no. but if uh if I can get my uh stay your hands and just dodge you long enough. I'm eventually going to be able to throw down that, you know, 50 military skill conflict at your box uh, and probably win. So that's that's one that I'm actually kind of thinking about from the crane side is is how much more do I need more cancellation? Do I need like fate denial or something? You know, I, I don't know what other tools are out there to stop that because policy debate isn't as reliable because it is running stay your hand just to stop policy debate yeah <laughs> and uh it it makes it a little bit harder because it's it's just such a pure combo deck uh and it's a combo deck that is resilient against event cancels 
which is kind of how Crane has always stopped them in the past. So, Unicorn is something that we talk about in Crane Chat a lot because while it is an overwhelmingly favored matchup, the the how fast Unicorn is and how like not combo centric, but it's like hey, like one two, I'm done. Uh, right. They can be sometimes they can just get a setup was like oh. I can't do anything to stop them. Like, yes, I've got, like, several cards in my deck that can just hard stop Unicorn. However, if I don't draw any of those cards, things go very poorly very fast. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's one of these matchups that feels very, like, RNG-heavy, where, like, okay, if they see their Yasumura turn one and you don't see a way to stop them in turn two, you're going to lose. Uh, you know, it... it just is one of those scenarios where it's very hard to um, feel like you have a ton of agency in the matchup. A lot of it is like, do I have the cards that win me the game in my hand? It's not so much about, all right, I have to play smart around these types of possibilities that my opponent could be throwing at me. It's just, okay, he's got three fate. I either have the voice of honor to stop this cab reserves or I don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was playing in the LLO uh, last month, and I felt so dumb because I lost a matchup. And even though, because it just came down to one single matchup where Kikita Kazen can shut down that entire deck very mm -hmm. easily. Yep. And because I misfired his duel, I wasn't paying attention. I didn't realize the, uh, I think it's Moto Youth, the guy who just gets stronger with his, all the cranes or all the unicorns that are on the board. So oh. I just like, oh yeah, oh, I'll just hit Kazen. Yeah, and I didn't realize this guy was at a 10. Yeah. <laughs> Utaku Infantry. I, yeah, he's, he's hard to, hard to deal with. Uh, I be. still <laughs> almost fought my way out of that game. Uh, just because of how many cool tools Crane have to deal with that and stuff. Uh, but it just goes to show you the very swingy nature of it and stuff. Like, had I paid attention, yeah, Kazen could have just shut down that whole matchup and I would have won the game handedly. Uh, or any other number of things. Uh, we're talking about, like, policy debate. Yeah, once you start getting their uh, captive audiences out of their hands, that's <laughs> it's over. Or yeah. you just, like, wait for them to pl uh, play and the voice of honor it. They love that. Yeah, I, I this is another matchup where... What they're going to do is relatively obvious, turn to turn, so Gossip mm. is very powerful. You're like, okay, yeah. hmm, you've just passed in Dynasty, and you have three Fate left. Okay, yep. what yeah. could be going on here? You know, uh, so... I've, I've definitely played Gossip on turn three against my opponents, and they just put their decks down and kind of walk away. It's just like, I don't want to uh, talk about Fate right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I'm like probably gossip's biggest booster but i think that card is insane and it's just a matter of knowing when to play it and what to play it on so anyway i, I, would, I would actually say if like you want sort of advice versus unicorn is don't be scared know your tools because i'll tell you what like i see a lot of yeah. people start freaking mm -hmm. out because they will get to a situation where they are halfway through turn two where they've already cracked like three of your provinces and are on the way to your box and you're really scared and you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on and stuff? Like, listen, you have to understand that the game is actually totally underneath your control because they've only got, honestly, enough gas for one shot at your box. And if yep. you could stop that push, which is it is very easy to mm -hmm. stop that push, the deck actually stops hard after that point. Right, yeah. They're down at, like, two cards in hand. They're just looking at them going, oh, neither of these win me the game, huh? Mm. Nope. 
Oh, I've seen two cards. I've seen uh, some uh, unicorns with an entire, like, nine of ten cards in their hand. Like, not a single one of these things work in this great <laughs> matchup. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty much. I, I, I've had that happen to me. Yeah. Yeah, so voice stops them, policy debate stops them, Kazen stops them. <laughs> yeah. Kazen Toshimoko really, stops them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think, Yoshi, it, I yeah, think Unicorn does. Were, I think Unicorn were at the forefront of the please ban Toshimoko bandwagon that happened a few months ago. No, I think that yeah. was mostly Lion, to be honest. Yeah, Lion really hated Toshimoko, too. I I gotta be, I, I'm, I'm not super popular for this, but I think Toshimoko is very degenerate and probably belongs on either the RL or the ban list. Like, just on a mechanics level, I get that he's not, like, overpowered in terms of like whenever you see him the game stops but just what he does to a game is so annoying so anyway i agree i think that one of the reasons why a lot of us cranes want him back is a lot less to do with his ability but just like a solidly statted duelist is what he really was yeah and that's what we're missing mostly yeah i think what we really want to be honest with you is like matsu agetoki's stat line and the keyword duelist, and you could just make it blank otherwise, and we'd be happy. Mm-hmm. Just like a three-cost, sure. four-two-two duelist. Boom. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. Let's do it. I mean, Tengu Sensei is too expensive. Cutting Negotiator is useful, but she's not military. She's like, yep. <laughs> she's she's frankly got too much political. <laughs> she's got more political <laughs> than I ever know what to deal with. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like Shoujo. Nutty. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like it's funny how quickly like Kikita Dojo turned from all right, I'm gonna use this to bow out your board, I'm gonna use this to shut off key events or uh, key uh, character abilities and stuff, to most of the time I just use Kikita Dojo to give me an excuse to bow my stronghold. So, because just the mm. deck has changed with yeah. the loss of Toshimoko <laughs> and stuff like you know even Uji going on the R or uh, getting his errata. Uh, just makes it harder to put out those red numbers. Oh, that's all seven clans, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. We don't want to talk about beating up on Mantis, no? I mean, they're not currently a great clan, so we won. They can't <laughs> legally start the game. So you win just by pointing out the rules. There you go. Boom. <laughs> I had a, uh, Melissa Palmer actually uh, threw water in my face one time at a party because <laughs> I told her that great, uh, Mantis clan was not a real clan. <laughs> And it, the whole room turned left, like, oh my god, what did he say? What horrible thing did he say to her <laughs> to get this reaction? It's like, I well, just told look, you the truth. <laughs> you, you know that meme. Uh, exactly. Yeah, they hated him, for he told the truth. That's that's what happened right there. <laughs> there you go. So tell me about this Meek Informant cast. Yeah, what do you do, anyway? Meek Informant, we uh, occasionally podcast. We are more, honestly, at this point, we do more like YouTube stuff. So uh, youtube.com slash C slash The Meek Informant. Uh, actually, let me check that. I can never remember where we have a <laughs> The in there. Uh, yes, yeah, it, there is a The in there. Yes. <laughs> I. Yeah, I, the funny thing is I was sitting there looking at the link on my uh, desktop and going, does that have a The in it? Mm, who knows <laughs> um but yeah we uh we are pretty active in like i played in the last uh london legion event and posted up all of my games from that uh playing czar's kill crane list um 
I post up all my uh, Discord League games, things like that. Uh, so there's a fair amount of that up there. We've got some live commentary from back in the days when you could sit down at a table and play L5R. Um, I miss those days. Oh, tell me about uh, it. Back in ancient times. We, we did a tutorial for uh, Tabletop Simulator when that was a thing you could play L5R on. <laughs> but yeah, the, the YouTube channel is pretty active. Uh, occasionally we will put out a podcast. I think we've got one coming out shortly uh, in the next couple of days. Um, and, uh, you know, we try to focus more on uh, the, the live stuff is more uh, and the videos are more competitive focused. So we're going to talk about, you know, uh, optimal lines of play and things like that. Um, but the podcast is really focused on uh, community building and uh, new player engagement. So we actually have a series a lot like this one from a year, maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, and it's funny to watch how things have evolved because at the time it was just like okay what does crab do okay crab plays this 84 card deck and nothing else <laughs> yeah. you know so you know exactly what you're going up against when you go up against crab and now it's it's not quite that easy um nope. so yeah we we uh focused a lot on that and then we try to take kind of a broader look at things uh you know so so that if you're not following on the discord and the news and everything from a day-to-day -day perspective you can kind of check in and figure out like all right where in general is the meta right now you know who's on top who's on the bottom why do we think that is what are the big shakeups and themes and things we see coming in uh rather than you know hyper nuanced card by card kind of analysis right cool 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 awesome make informant let's see to get into our own shout outs uh sorry you haven't spoken much why don't you do the shout outs today i don't I'm delegating. I, I get to edit, so you get to delegate. So you get to I do didn't the shout Say much. I thought I've been speaking a whole lot uh, today, uh, but anyway, <laughs> no. A uh, quick shout out over to the RPG have the podcast, which we attempted to hijack earlier today. Um, hopefully, they'll forgive <laughs> us for that. Um, yeah, they do a lot of uh, great analysis, and uh, they have a lot of um, talks about the uh, RPG and lore side of L5R. You know that thing that we absolutely love about L5R mm. um, most of the time, except when we attempt to have elephants put on the throne. Um, anyway. Yeah, I will defend that elephant from my death <laughs> last day. Uh, uh, that's emblematic speaking of, of things I got with the old game. Anyway. Speaking of things the people we got, uh, Court Games host got yelled at by Mel Palmer about, I got yelled at by her about that. Um, anyway. Oh, um, so, uh, shout out to courtgamespod.com. That's where CBAS has a major repository of all things L5R uh, strategies, videos, podcasts, links to other podcasts, links to websites where we they talk about strategies and all the other stuff. Uh, be sure to support us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash courtgames, I believe it is, or courtgamespod.com. And you guys can go and support the server as well as uh, help us out. By uh by supporting um by getting access to uh, special things like tomorrow I'm actually going to be doing a several I'm going to play several rounds of L5R on Jigoku and the deck that I'll be playing has been voted on by supporters on Patreon so we'll see how badly that goes tomorrow. Um, nice. It's the it's the correct yeah. deck, huh? <laughs> it's the well, no, no, no. For this one, I told them, you know what? Let's make it easy and let's just let them pick the clam, and then I'll pick oh, a <laughs> that's not fun. So I'm kind of cheating make them pick here, okay? 
I am kind of cheating here a bit, but you know, this is the first thing I'm the first time I'm doing, so I figured we'll do that. And also, I guess the last thing I'm shouting out is, um, you know, uh, the um, the uh, the World Cup is pretty much in full swing right now. Uh, London Legion tournaments are going out there. Uh, really, shout out to the community for keeping the game going. Uh, for keeping things happening. Um, out there. I really appreciate everyone's hard work. I know this is a really hard time. We are, I mean, you know, I got, it's, we're supposed to stay inside. There's no social life, and uh, we're all going just a little bit crazier now, uh, but <laughs> other than Hey, speak for yourself. Some yeah. of us peons have to go to work every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of I, us I have some still of us, have my what? hour commute. Oh yeah, well I do. T well, you know, surprisingly, the drive from my house to Beverly Hills is actually not that short, as I come to realize. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that I want to add on to that about like the community is um, try to keep your like weekly game nights alive on Jagoku if you can. Uh, we've been doing that. Uh, Tuesdays are our normal game night. Uh, feel free to message me if you're up for games. Uh, at our at our local store, and since their uh, play space is closed, we've been organizing it with uh, some of the broader New England community uh, on Jagoku, and it's just been a ton of fun. People are just you know hanging out basically on Discord, uh, playing games, playing random decks. It's it's just very uh, you know kind of loose. It's not like a organized competitive thing like one of the tournaments is. Uh, it's just something you could just jump into. Um, so. You know, if you had a group that you played with in person, reach out to them and say, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm free on whatever day our normal day is. Let's let's hop on Jagoku and play some games. You know, keep it uh, keep it fresh because that's you know that's really the heart of the game. Even though there's a lot of stuff in competitive and all that, you know, I, I wouldn't be playing in tournaments still if I didn't have you know every Tuesday uh, a place to go to play games and paper. You know, so. Absolutely. Keeping those people involved is, is huge. All right. So that is it. So, uh, Trevor, what judge are you going to shout out today? You know, I'm going to give a shout out to Mel Palmer. She's a good judge. She's a good judge of character. <laughs> <laughs> Just because she occasionally assaults us doesn't mean she's not a good person. Uh, occasionally? Well... <laughs> you should see I really wish people would videotape my interactions with her all the time because it is just absolutely hilarious I don't know if you've ever, if anyone that's ever seen my interactions with Mel Palmer just you know record it one time and put it on YouTube and just sh you, you should see the love I have for that woman she's a sweetheart and stuff uh, also give a shout out to uh, Dan Mui and uh, Finbar Bagley our uh, former co-host uh, for running a very successful uh, London Legion online tournament a couple months ago. Speaking about keeping the community together and active and doing things, yeah, absolutely. they did a really good job hosting that thing. Those yeah. tournaments are really fun, and their coverage of it is great. So, yeah. Yeah, but the big, thing is, you know, sleep. I, I still value sleep. Sloth is my favorite deadly sin still. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, there's the North American bracket now, so you don't have to get up as early. It's, it's, it's still freaking early, dude. It's still yeah. early. Should move to the correct coast, that's all. <laughs> I am on the left coast. Uh, 
That's not quite what I said, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, I think that is it for us, right? Yeah. Sayonara, everyone. Have a good one. Don't touch your face. Wash your hands. Bye. <laughs>